You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. The room was filled with uptight men in fancy suits shaking their heads in disapproval. The executives at CBS didn't like the fact that their network would be using child actors, that the soundtrack was a jazzy, offbeat composition, and that one of the main characters was actually quoting from scripture. It was a network special, and yet all of the rules were being broken. But by that point, they had already announced it to the American public that it was going to air. And sure enough, it did air on December 9th, 1965. A Charlie Brown Christmas hit the airwaves to high ratings and applause everywhere. Critics and crowds alike cheered it on and it became an instant success. The 25-minute CBS special has aired every Christmas for the last 55 years. It has become somewhat of a cult phenomenon. In fact, you can even find a Charlie Brown Christmas tree in many department stores across the United States. And that jazzy underscore, the Vince Guaraldi composition, well, that sold over 4 million copies in the U.S. alone. Charlie Brown Christmas is one of my family's traditions that we watch together every December. And our favorite part happens when Linus takes the stage and tells everybody the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. It's not the commercial trappings. It's not the hustle and bustle of the holidays. No, the true meaning of Christmas comes out of Luke's gospel in chapter two, where the angels show up to the shepherds in the fields nearby Bethlehem, and they bring good news of great joy. And that's the title of today's message, Good News of Great Joy. Last week at the Listening Room Cafe, during our first Sunday gathering, we kicked off our Advent series, The Story, looking at hope and how when you follow Jesus, you have hope. You can believe in hope, you can look for hope, and in turn, you can bring that hope to the world that surrounds us and so desperately needs us. You know, the Christmas story is proof that God always makes good on his promises. One of the highlight passages from last week comes out of Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy, hope, and peace all in one powerful verse. So next week for our third Sunday devotional, I'm going to talk all about peace and how Jesus came to give us peace. By the way, I want to encourage you to join us for our last prayer and worship night of 2021 on December 19th, 6 p.m. at the Listening Room Cafe. We're going to gather together and sing Christmas hymns. We're going to go through some liturgical Advent moments and focus our hearts and minds on the true reason of the season. So make sure you join us for that. But today, I want to lean into the idea of joy here in the Christmas season. The God of hope provides a pathway to joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and Christmas. You might be asking, okay, where does the Holy Spirit show up in the Christmas story? I mean, and all of the songs we sing about Christmas, you don't hear of the Holy Spirit. And, and in, it's nearly impossible to see the role of the Holy Spirit in any of these Christmas movies. We just went to our son Moses' Christmas play. Nobody was playing the Holy Spirit in that play, okay? But you have to understand that the Christmas story illuminates the triune God. God the Father sent the Son to be born in Bethlehem, and God the Holy Spirit 
is at work behind the scenes in the entire Christmas story. In fact, it was through the Holy Spirit that Mary even became pregnant. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit shows up to uh, Aunt Elizabeth, Mary's aunt, in Luke chapter 1, when Mary came to visit her aunt. The Holy Spirit shows up in Zechariah uh, right after John the Baptist was born. The Holy Spirit was in and moving through the old man Simeon in Luke chapter 2. Simeon was waiting his whole life in hopes of seeing the coming Savior. So it's important to note that the Holy Spirit is definitely active in the Christmas story. It's not like the Holy Spirit was waiting to make his big debut in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. No, the Holy Spirit has been around since the very beginning. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit showed up in certain people at certain times for certain purposes. And here at the beginning of the New Testament, things really begin to ramp up. And what I love about the Holy Spirit's role in the Christmas story is that wherever the Holy Spirit shows up, joy is soon to be found. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for joy is kara, and it means exceedingly glad. And this word shows up about 59 times in the New Testament in different places. And one of those places is in the book of Romans, where Paul is writing to the early church, and he's describing what the kingdom of God is all about. Now, if you look at Jesus' teachings and his parables, his most popular topic to talk about is the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus would often open his parables and say, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he taught his followers to pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so Paul is talking about the kingdom of heaven in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So my prayer for you today is that you're filled with the Holy Spirit anew, a fresh overflowing of joy in your life, that joy that comes through the Holy Spirit. That's the true spirit of Christmas. Okay, you may be listening and say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I've got the spirit of joy, but why am I still downcast every now and then? And that's definitely a valid question. But I think it's important to note the difference between joy and happiness. You see, when you follow Christ, you have joy. Other things may give you momentary happiness. Happiness is a product of your circumstances, but joy happens in spite of your circumstances. The root word for happiness is the old English word hap, and it means luck or chance. According to an article in Psychology Today, happiness is external. Happiness is future-oriented, and it puts all of its eggs in someone else's basket. It is completely dependent on outside situations, people, or events to align with your expectations so that the end result is your happiness. Now, here's how it defines joy. Joy is when you need nothing more than truth and the love of a good God to bring you peace. Then you have settled into this abiding joy that isn't rocked by external relationships. You know, happiness is dependent on the outside going according to your plan, but joy comes from the God who is at work within us. And it puts our outside surroundings into perspective. And just like we learned last week that when it comes to hope, 
We have it in Christ, but we have to make that daily choice to see the world through the lens of hope. And just like that, we have to choose joy. In fact, in her book, Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough, Kay Warren, Rick Warren's wife, shared the honest challenges of having a close family member dealing with intense mental illness and the struggle to choose joy in the midst of those challenges. Listen to me here. Just a few weeks before the book was released, Kay's son, Matthew, committed suicide. It was a tragedy that rocked Rick and Kay and it became national news. And Kay shared vulnerably on her blog. This is what she wrote. I really believe that God allowed me to write the book, Choose Joy, before Matthew died to prepare me for what was ahead so that when he died, I had the tools I desperately needed to survive and even thrive through one of life's most tragic losses. Hey, by the grace of God, I pray that none of us ever have to experience loss to this degree. But we know that every single day, you're gonna face something that threatens to steal your joy. Health problems, financial worries, marriage issues, loneliness, uh, financial worries, uh, relational anxieties, anxieties about the world changing around us, unresolved conflicts, stress about how your kids are turning out. Look, the devil is at work nonstop to interrupt and interfere with God's plans and God's dreams for your life. Your primary task in life is to get to know God intimately and to set your spiritual roots deep in the soil of His love, to develop convictions and certainties about Him that will become the source of your strength when happiness isn't enough. Kay's testimony has inspired many that are going through likewise battles and suffering. And we've learned through her story to trust in a God who sees the big picture. We've got to choose joy. Choose joy over fear, choose joy over anxiety, loneliness, and especially negativity and cynicism. You know, David writes in Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. David, by all means, did not have an easy life. He spent much of his life on the run and many of his years fighting wars in battle. But David was making a conscious choice to choose joy over everything else. And he encouraged all of those who would join in that song to join him in choosing joy, simply because today is the day that the Lord has made. So I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Let me ask you, what if you made this choice over the next week? The first words out of your mouth every morning were, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Just try that. Start your day off choosing joy. Even in the hardest of journeys, I promise you can find joy. It makes me think of the wise men. Now, we actually don't know too much about the Magi from Scripture, but they've been called the wise men, three kings from the Far East. We do know that they traveled a great distance. In fact, some scholars believe it was upwards of 800 miles from the Far East to the town of Bethlehem. Now, that's a long ways to go in today's standard, but imagine a time without any planes, trains, or automobiles, right? Imagine a time where there wasn't a GPS on your smartphone. This was a long distance to go. There's a funny thought a pastor once shared with me. What if the wise men were women? Well, they would have asked for directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, brought a casserole, and given practical gifts, right? But the wise men, they found joy in their journey. There were hardships, bad weather, dangers on the road, but nothing stopped them. How far are you willing to go 
on this journey with Jesus. See, many of us follow Jesus up to the point of convenience. And when things get tough, we get going. It's not easy to take up your cross and follow Jesus. The wise men weren't in this for convenience. They were in it for transformation. I love verse 10. It says that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When they saw the star, not at the end of their journey, not after they had met the risen Savior, the baby born Christ. Nope. It was still journey to go. There was still a distance to be traveled. But when they saw that star, they were overjoyed. See, when you choose joy, you can walk through any trial and know that God is with you. According to an article in Health Psychology, Dr. Cheryl A. McDonald says this, joy is a state of mind, a combination of emotions, and the spiritual context is localized in our heart. You know, the Hebrew word for joy is simcha. That's a fun one to say. And it's more of a state of being rather than just an emotion. And it's the result of a choice. In the ancient Hebrew language, emotions were often correlated to a particular body part. You know, when you read about anger, it's correlated to this burning of the nostrils. Turmoil is related to a gut-wrenching feeling in your liver. And joy, well, that's found in the heart. Makes you think differently about the kid's song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? But let the joy of the Lord guard your heart and guide your journey. Choose joy this season. I want to close by going back to Luke's description of the angels and the shepherds at that first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. See, the good news of great joy was that Jesus had been born. He had finally arrived. Everything changed that night. The story of our redemption, the story of Jesus' life from the manger to the cross, where our salvation would ultimately be won. It starts on this night in Bethlehem. And that brings me to my final point. Jesus is joy. Now, when I was growing up, I heard a simple way of remembering the word joy. It's J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourself. It's putting Jesus first, thinking of others more, and then thinking of yourself. Not in a self-deprecating way, but with humility. You know, the world would tell you that right now you can find complete fulfillment within. We live in a day and age of self-realization. The world says, put yourself first. Self-care is actually a $10 billion a year industry right now. And trust me, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself, right? I would encourage you to take care of yourself. I was recently on a plane and they always tell you when those oxygen masks, if they come down, when they come down, first put one on yourself and then help those that are next to you. Because if you're passed out, you can't help anybody else. So listen, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. In fact, this is one of the reasons we love Sabbath here at Bridges Nashville, because it's a way to recharge in the presence of God. Take care of yourself. But I promise you, you cannot find fulfillment in yourself. You have to find it in Jesus. Our natural disposition is to turn inward, to worry about our future, our well-being, our finances, our situations. But if our eyes are fixed on ourselves, how can they be set on Jesus? 
I like to say if you're uh, full of yourself, you can't be hungry for the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've discovered. And here's what the wise men discovered. Here's what Mary and Joseph found out. And here's what the shepherds would find out 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. When you look to Jesus, you find joy. When you pour yourself out over others and serve, somehow you wind up getting filled up. You know, this season, maybe even this week, look for an opportunity to serve other people. Maybe it's a community service project. Maybe it's going down to our local mission or our food kitchens here in Nashville and helping. Maybe it's giving to a family you know is in need. In this season of giving, maybe it's taking a step in giving towards our missions here at Bridges Nashville. Just this week, we've been putting together toys to throw a Christmas shop for local families here in our backyard that are in need in this Christmas season. Listen, I promise you will find joy on the other side of generosity. This week, we're going to be meeting in our house churches and we're going to be focusing on joy. We're going to share stories of Christmas tradition. We're going to read the Luke 2 account of the Christmas story. You might watch a Christmas movie with your house church. Maybe you'll bake some Christmas cookies with your house church. I don't know, but it's going to be a lot of fun as we grow in joy and faith together. During these next few weeks of the Advent season, as we lead up to Christmas, I'd encourage you to do three things. Ask the Lord to fill you with a spirit of joy. Choose joy every single day and ultimately find your joy in Jesus. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.